Luke 8, 4, uh, starting in verse 4. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast, in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will, that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Well, what's happening on a Sunday morning? Why do we come here? And why do we take time to do this? Is this a pep talk? Am I trying to get you uh, motivated? Is it a guilt trip? Is it entertainment? Is it a lecture? Is what you need more information? Am I supposed to be just giving you information that you don't know? Is it just something left over? It's an ancient ritual back from the time of the apostles and it's outdated and now it's, now it's still just left over. It doesn't mean much. Is it my thoughts? Am I just sharing my thoughts? Or is it the Word of God? Did we just read the very words of God? You know, the reason I ask that is because all the first examples, the vast majority of the responsibility is with the person speaking. If you're giving a pep talk and the person is monotone, then you'd say they're not, they're not doing their job. If you're giving a guilt trip, uh, then again... In a lot of ways, the responsibility is on the person. Entertainment, the responsibility is on the person speaking. If you, if it's not exciting to me, then you didn't, we didn't have a good Sunday because you're supposed to keep me interested. 
is it a leftover ritual? Well, if it's just something we do, if it's just something you come to on Sundays and it's just what you do every Sunday, then you can tune out. I mean, it's not a big deal. You've already done it 50 times, you know, uh, 2018, 52 times you came and sat and here we are just here again. But if it's the word of God, the resp- there's responsibility on you. There's responsibility on you as the hearer. And that's what Jesus is reminding us here in this parable. First point is this. The hearer is active and how they respond reveals something about their heart. The hearer is active. So what's going on on a Sunday? What's going on? That's what my first question was. Well, sometimes... Look at verse 12. Sometimes nothing's going on. The ones along the path are those that have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Sometimes on the hearer's part, nothing is going on. You know, the word of God is the seed, right? That's what Jesus said here when he explained the parable. The word of God is the seed, and it's sown on a path. And nothing happens. The, the seed does not begin to sprout. It doesn't show any signs of life. It doesn't grow. Before anything can happen, the devil comes and takes it and it's gone. And that happens all the time. Uh, there's people that their hearts are hard, hardened to the word of God. You talk about Jesus Christ. I mean, think about this. The message of the Bible is that Jesus, that God became a man and died for your sins that you did knowing I should not be doing this. This is wrong. I'm going to do it anyways. God became a man to die for you. And people think, ah, it doesn't matter to me. Their heart's not hard. I remember, or their heart's so hard. Their heart's not soft. I remember for me, I remember shedding tears just thinking about my parents dying in the future. And I never shed one tear that Jesus Christ actually died. And I sat every Sunday for my whole, you know, growing up hearing about Jesus. And I cared less. I did not care anything about Jesus. If you came and said, hey, you realize one day, you know, in the future, probably 30 or 40 years from now, your parents are going to die. And I started shedding tears. And then somebody says to me, Jesus actually died for you. Jesus actually spilt his own blood And it's like nothing, no response. I was dead. I think about one guy in the jail that we talked to where I asked him, what's what's your problem? Not in, (laughs) what's the problem in your life? Does that make sense? Uh, And he said, well, my problem is, it's my surroundings, you know, and uh, it's Kirksville and it's my friends and if I could just get that changed and everything would be okay. And so we started talking and I started reading him verses about Jesus says out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks and that a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit. And I started talking to him, you know, whatever you did, did you do it because all your friends forced you to do it or did you do it because you wanted to do it? And he came around and he said, yeah, I wanted to do it. And he got to the place where he could see that all of his sins, it wasn't his friend's fault that his friends asked him to do something and then he wanted to do it with them. And when uh, somebody says something and uh, 
you respond in anger, it's because of something in your heart. It's not their fault. And so we talked about it, we talked about it, and we just said, you know, the Bible teaches something different. The Bible teaches that it's not what's outside of a man that makes him unclean. It's what's inside of a man. And we talked for probably 45 minutes about the same thing verse after verse. And then at the end, I asked him the same question. So, you know, what is the problem in your life? And he didn't say, I need a new heart. I need to know God. I need to be born again. He said, well, it's my friends and it's Kirksville. And it was like, for four, it was one-on-one. It wasn't a whole group. It was one-on-one with this guy. And for 40 minutes, we talked about it. We read the verses. And then literally seconds after we were done, I said, and so to summarize, you know, what's your problem? Back to where he was. It was all gone. There was a girl on campus, I remember. And I don't know if she falls into this category or the next one, but I was talking to her about the gospel, and she was telling me she's saved by her faith and her works. And I was sharing with her, and I was talking about self-righteousness, and and she was she was even crying, and and I was pleading with her. I was telling her about this passage, like, do you realize how many people that I've met and I've talked to that I have promised me they're going to read Romans chapter four, whether faith or works saves, and I see them and they've never thought about it again. And so I'm pleading with her, don't go home and get on Facebook and forget about this. This is so important. This is your soul. And so I was crying and she was crying and three days later, which is pretty rare, I saw her again. And I said, Did you read it? And she said, Nope. It was gone. It was as soon as she left, something happened. And what we talked about, even that brought her to tears, boom, gone. And I'm sure she got on Facebook. I'm sure she got on YouTube. But the Word of God fell to the side. The devil snatched it up. Even after being warned and pleaded with, please don't let the devil snatch this up. At least read the Bible. See what God says. And then it's gone in an instant. There's people that go to church their whole life and nothing happens. Seed gets sown and then it's gone. There's no change. There's no life. It's very sad. I don't want that to be you, you know? I don't want you to be meeting Jesus and Jesus saying, yeah, I, I every single week for the 18 years you lived with your parents, I I had someone sow the word. I had your parents sow the word in the home. You didn't care. That would be so sad. So for some some people on a Sunday morning, there's nothing. There's nothing going on. They won't believe and be saved. So that's... The point was the hearer is active and how they respond reveals something about their heart. What is their heart? They won't believe and be saved. They won't. They won't believe. That's so scary. You won't believe... You won't trust God. You know that much. You've got it figured out. You don't want to be saved from your sins. Scary. Let's go on to the next. Verse 13. 
And the ones on the, on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root and believe for a while and in the time of testing fall away. So for others, something actually happens. They actually receive something of the word of God. They receive some truth. They accept it with joy. They believe. They receive. Maybe even with tears. But before long, or maybe it could be after quite a while, it's all gone. Something comes up. Persecution. The other gospel writers talk about this one as persecution. This one says testing. It didn't go deep. Something happens where comfort or status, being liked, something else comes into conflict with the word that they received and they fall away. You know, there's a verse in John. I'll read this to you. John 12 says, talks about people who believed, believed on Jesus. John chapter 12, verses 42 to 43. It says, Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So here they are. They believed. They saw Jesus and they knew he was real. They believed it. They said, There's something real here. But then what happened? They saw, if I confess it, I'm going to be put out of the synagogue, just like the blind man was, which happened just a little bit earlier in John. And I don't want that. So what happens is they see truth, they receive it, they believe it, and then it comes into conflict with their comfort. And they choose their comfort. And what? They fall away. Something difficult comes and they fall away. It didn't go deep. It comes and for a while it looks good and then it's gone. Let's look at the next one. Verse 14. What fell among the thorns? They are those who hear, but as they go on their way are choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. For others, there's tears, there's joy, there's belief. And they don't fall away. You still hope maybe these people are a Christian. But there's never any fruit. There's never mature fruit. There's a plant, but no fruit. They hold on to Christ at first. And it's not all at once. It's slowly the thorns creep in and they start losing their hold and they get choked out. The weeds don't come overnight. The weeds in your garden don't get to be three foot overnight. It's slow and it comes up. And after a while, you go out there and you think, where did all these weeds come from? And the weeds choke out the crop. And then there's no fruit. And then there's the last one, the good soil. There are those who something wonderful happens. Life that doesn't fail. They hold on to the word and the sun comes 
And there's persecution just like with the other group. There's testing, but it doesn't wither. They have moisture. Their roots are going deep enough, and they keep on growing. And there may be thorns. There may be the cares and the pleasures of life, but they hold on to Jesus Christ, and it's not choked out. And what happens is fruit comes. There's actually fruit. There's holiness of life. There's sin being left behind. And it lasts. It's not just for a time. It's not just for a season. It keeps growing, and there's more fruit. The fruit is increasing. It's not just uh, a little bit of life at first and then gone. It's a little bit of life and more life, more life, more life. More fruit. An eternal difference. I mean, this. Uh, think about this. Of the four soils, only one has eternal life. There's a lot of ways that you can hear today that don't profit you at all. Out of the four, there's only one. There's only one way. And that's if you hear and you hold on. Hold on to the end. So here's the question. Here's the question I want to ask you. Which soil are you? Which soil are you? Does the Word of God affect you at all? Are you convicted by the Word of God? Does it matter to you in any way that Jesus Christ has authority over your life, that He actually cares about you? There are people that can honestly say, and might even tell you, I don't care a bit. I could care less. Is that you? Are you the hardened soil that you care nothing about Jesus? The Bible's boring. The Bible's so boring to you. The church is so boring. Because you don't care. That, let me ask you this, has a sermon or a scripture or counsel from someone where you were exposed to the word of God, has it ever changed you? There's people that can honestly say, no, the word of God has never affected me. That's scary. What else? If, if the Word of God has never affected you, look and see you're the first soil. The devil is coming and stealing the Word as quick as anyone can, can sow it. Well, let me ask you this. Does it affect you temporarily? Because you might look at that person who is not affected at all and think, well, at least you know I remember when the Word of God affected me. I, I cried. I confessed this sin to my parents. Of course, I'm back in it now, but it affected me for a little bit. Yeah. Here's the thing. You might think the big divide between the world is those who believe something about Jesus and those who don't. Is that is that the big divide? Yes and no. There are those who believe something and then they just fall away. They let it go. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you know this, but I'll just go over some of the verses. There are people who believe something about Jesus and go to hell. Do you realize that? Look at the one we said in, in uh, John 12. They believed, but what? They didn't care enough to be persecuted. What about Jesus in Matthew 7? He says, there's going to be many on Judgment Day who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he's going to say to them, I never knew you depart from me. That means they're lost. Right? They believe something. They even thought Jesus was their Lord, but he wasn't. 
What else? John 2, Jesus says that many believed on his name, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them, for he knew what was in man. They had a shallow belief. They believed something, but Jesus knew their heart. John chapter 8, Jesus, it says many believed. And then what happens? Jesus goes on to tell them, well, if God were your father, you would love me. And they, and they say, God is our father. And he says, the devil's your father. What? They believed, but the devil was their father? Yeah. They didn't really, be, they didn't have true belief. It was spurious faith. It was just like these two, um, the two soils in the middle that we talked about the rocky soil and the thorny soil. They, they believe something and they're lost. And so, what about you? I mean, here's the scary thing. If the Word of God only affects you temporarily, you, you accept it for a while, it affects you for a while, and then after a while, maybe either temptation comes or testing comes or persecution, or it could be ease that comes and chokes it out. You need to be scared. Because you can believe something at the beginning, but if you don't endure to the end, you won't be saved. Why? Because you didn't have the real thing to begin with. The real thing lasts. It bears fruit. Jesus said that every vine that abides in me, it will bear fruit. And every vine that doesn't bear fruit will be cut off and thrown into the fire. There's people. What is this teaching? It's teaching there's people who on the outside appear to be Christians and they aren't. It's teaching that there's pro- there are people in our church who have made a profession, who got baptized, who know the gospel in their mind that never hold fast to it and will die apart from Jesus. That's scary. We need to pray. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for our families. And we need to pray for the other, other people in our church. So let me ask you this again. Does the Word of God only affect you temporarily? Is there real holiness in your life? Are you different today than you were a week from, a week earlier? Are you different today than you were a month ago, a year ago, five years ago? There must be growth and fruit bearing in the Christian life if it's real. Let me ask you another question. Is your fruit being choked out? Could you say, no, I've been affected. I've been affected here and all these things. I've been convicted. But, you know, I'm not really reading my Bible because, well, I got TV and other things to do. Maybe it's good things. Maybe you keep, maybe you keep the house clean. Uh, you got to do that. But is it choking out your fruit bearing? You see, the big divide at first seems to be belief, right? But it's actually belief that endures to the end. It's kind of a follow-up, isn't it? Just to what Charles said last week. Just a follow-up and endu- uh, about Endurance. You know, if you trust Jesus today, you hold on to Jesus today, and tomorrow you let him go, it didn't matter. You're ending up in the same place as the person who doesn't care at all. 
you're not holding, you're not trusting Jesus. True faith is trusting Jesus today and tomorrow and the next day, all the way until the end. Because if Jesus is trustworthy today, then he's trustworthy tomorrow and he's trustworthy the next day. Have there been things over the past year that you've heard either from the scriptures or even from sermons that you thought this is important, this needs to change, and then it never did? Or it only did for a while? Are there things in your life where you are walking in fruit, fruit, where things seem to be going well, God was growing you, and then suddenly those things aren't the way they used to be? They're not how they they're not the way they used to be because the thorns have come in. The cares of the world, the pleasures of the world are choking out your prayer life, your time in the word, evangelism, you know, hundreds of things. Fruit bearing, holiness, your peace, your joy. Well, let's talk about this. Number 2. The hearer can be warned and exhorted to take care Look, at first when you read this, you think, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. Am I really active? It's just who I am. I'm, I'm either the hard soil or I'm the rocky soil, but what? it's not my fault. It's just who I am. It's just the way I was raised, etc. It seems from the parable to be static, like, oh, suddenly the rocky soil doesn't turn into the hard soil or back and forth. It's just what it is. But then look at verse... 18 here. Jesus says, Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. You see, you are active. You can hear something. That's what Jesus said at the end. He who has ears, let him hear. He's saying, well, even just this little parable about no one lights a lamp and covers it with a jar. God is not revealing these things so that no one will understand them. God is revealing them so that people will understand them. And if you want to know, you actually want to bear fruit, you want to know God, you don't want to fall away in the end, you can. God wants to help you. God wants you to bear fruit and follow through with Him to the end. That's why He's telling these parables. So first, I just want to warn the hard soil. Just If you're the hard soil and you know it, even just say this to God. God, I know that I, ca- I don't care about you at all. And I know that's wrong. Have mercy. Can you say that? Mm-hmm. At least just admit it to God. You could, you could, yeah. If you can admit it to God, that's amazing. That's a good first step. Can you go further? Can you ask for forgiveness? Can you ask for mercy? There's people... There's hard soils that have been saved, right? Can't we all say that we once were just like that? We heard the Word of God and we closed our ears, we turned and we walked away, we didn't want to hear it. What about the rocky soil? You know, difficulty testing is going to come. But you know what? Knowing that it's going to come can actually help you endure and not fall away. That's what Jesus says in John 16. He says that he, he says this in John 16, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming 
when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. So Jesus says, I'm going to warn you about all these different testing that's coming. And what? If you know that it's coming, it will help you to not fall away when it comes. So here he is again, Jesus basically teaching the same thing here in this parable. He's telling people there's there's going to be testing. Don't be like the rocky soil and fall away as soon as the testing comes. If you're if you're a new Christian or you made a profession recently, it's going to come where you have to make a decision between Jesus and money or Jesus and people liking you or Jesus and your comfort. You will have to make the decision. Let me ask you this. What are you going to do? Which one are you going to choose? Think about it now. If you if you're a middle schooler and you're going to school and you're going to try and follow Jesus, there is going to be testing. If you're in college and you are trying to honor God, there's going to be testing. At any phase in life that you're at, you are going to be tested. And and the things that the world values and Jesus are going to come into conflict and you're going to have to make a decision. Think about it now. Don't wait till you get there and make a, a rash decision. Think right now. Is Jesus better than the kids at school that'll that'll make fun of me if I read my Bible, you know, during silent reading or whatever. Make the decision with some foresight. Don't let it surprise you. Now, here's the other part. I want I want to warn the thorn those who would be in the thorny soil. This is actually kind of why I wanted to share this is because I felt like I started to feel it. I started to feel like my thoughts during my time in the Bible were getting distracted because of different cares of the world. Thinking about money. Thinking about should I save this or uh, this or that. Thinking about even things at my job. And it started, I could feel it choking out and I started to get scared and start to think this is something has to give here this is scary and i want i don't want that to happen to you either i want you to be aware because that is the scary part you suddenly realize it's happening and you realize this has been happening for a while these weeds didn't pop up yesterday they've been growing in my mind there's been too big a uh Money has too much a hold on me. Or entertainment, comfort has too big a hold on me. And it's been growing. I could see, if you look in the past, you might be able to see, yeah, we used to we used to only watch the news, you know, in the morning to see what was going on. And then now, before you know it, TV's on all the time. Or it could be something else. I don't know what it is for you. Let's, let's look at this verse here, Re- Revelation 3. This is this is about thorn, thorny soil. Revelation three fifteen and nineteen. I know your works. You are neither hot, sorry. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you. Or literally vomit you out of my mouth. 
before you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. So what happened to these people? They weren't cold or hot. They were lukewarm. They didn't fall away. They hadn't fallen away completely. They, Jesus didn't say, you're totally cold. You've fallen away from me. He said what? You're lukewarm. In one way, this is more dangerous. It's more dangerous than the hard soil because they think they are okay. They believe, I'm really a Christian. I'm following Jesus, some. But they're not. They said, they thought everything was alright. That's what they said. I, they said they don't need anything. And Jesus says, yes you do. You're deceived. I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's, that's scary. Let me ask you this. Is your house or your car or your money or sports or video games or movies or friends eating out Educating your kids, what anything of the pleasures and cares of this life, are they choking out spiritual fruit in your life? Is there anything that's choking out the holy holiness? Time in a word, time in prayer, reality. You know, things could be good, things can be good and be choking it out. Is a clean house good? Absolutely. If you have to keep your house so clean that you don't read the Bible, that's not good. Leave a dirty house, right? Leave a dirty house. Wait till tomorrow. You've got to hold fast to Jesus. It's not worth it to have your house spotless clean and go to hell and lose hold of Jesus Christ. Is it is it fun to listen to the Chiefs yesterday? Anybody? Yeah, it was awesome. But you know what? If it cost me one sin, it was not worth it. Right? One sin is not worth a, a lifetime of pleasures that are allowable but aren't profitable. Right? Thomas Watson said, a sea of suffering is better than a drop of sin. I'll give you an example. I'll give you another example, not just sports. Movies. I, I, maybe I've already told you this. I really like superhero movies. But you know what? I haven't seen any, hardly any of the new superhero movies because I look up before I watch them, the parental guides. And if there's something in there that I think, that might cause me to stumble that might cause me to sin, then I don't watch it. Yeah. Why? Because one sin is not worth two hours of entertainment. It's not. If you think that, oh yeah, this is, this is entertaining, I enjoy this. Yeah, there's only, it only curses God 15 times during it. Then you've got the wrong value system. Or, yeah, this is entertaining. It keeps me entertained for two hours. Yeah, but I could fall into sin. Oh, it's worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. 
It's the same with your house, all the pleasures of the world. What if, what if God wants you to not get a bigger house? That's possible, isn't it? Is, are your possessions, are the things that are actually good gifts from God, are they choking out the spiritual life? It could be. That's what he's warning us here. The scary thing is, it happens slowly. This is the one that I feel scared about. The person that falls away in a moment of testing and decides, you know what, I don't care. I'm leaving my wife. I'm going to go live with somebody else. They know where they're at. The person that's sitting down and they've got their Bible out in front of them on their couch and yet they're not bearing fruit because all the pleasures and cares of life are choking out the fruit. That person doesn't know. Right? That's, that's the one that I'm scared about. You know, if two weeks from now I fall away, guess what? You guys are going to be knocking on my door and you're going to be calling me and saying, you're deserting Jesus. But if tomorrow morning I get up, I open my Bible, and I can't concentrate because I'm thinking about a movie or money or some other care, it may just be me and God that know. And that's scary. Because if, if you're not careful how you hear, you might not hear anymore. That's what he says here at the end. Those who have more will be given. Those who don't. Who th- I don't want to get it wrong. Verse 18. Take care then how you hear. For the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not. Even what he thinks he has will be taken away. I'll just ask a few things from you. Think about the sermon we heard on Wednesday night. Have you thought about it? Has it affected you? Have you been thinking about about the, uh, these things, about he was talking about evangelism, has, has it crossed your mind, there's my neighbor, and asking the Lord, Lord, do you want me to knock on their door today? Or did you think at the time, oh yeah, I need to do that, and then boom, it's gone. What caused it to be gone? Whatever that is, you might you need to pray about it. Talk to your husband and your wife about it. Honey, I think that I mean, it could be coffee. I'm serious. I was thinking today, every morning I wake up and I make spend five to ten minutes making myself a nice cup of coffee, which I enjoy, but I am sacrificing something. I'm sacrificing that time, that alone time that I have with the Lord. That is precious, especially when you have kids. Let's just put it all on the table before God and ask Him, God, is there anything? If there is, show me. I want to be willing. Lord, I'm willing to surrender it because I don't want to be choked out. I want to know you. Well, the third, the last thing, what what do we do? Right? This has all been asking you, where are you? And uh, does this describe you? But now, it we don't have to leave it there. Jesus actually says, here's the difference between the good soil and the one that doesn't endure. What does he say? Let's look at the verse here. Verse 15. As for those that are in good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, one, hold it fast. Let's just stop right there. Hold it fast. You hold fast the word. You hear it and you don't let it go. You don't let it slip away. You read your Bible and you think, 
God says this about my finances. God says this about the way I should be living. God says this about how I should treat others. And you don't think, oh, I should think about that. And then gone. You write it down. You put it in your pocket. You you look at it the next day and, and, and you hold fast. You don't let it go. You think about Jesus. You don't just let him slip from your mind. There's a story that Ryan and Jamie and I and my wife heard. A guy was preaching about hold it fast. He was preaching about elders supposed to hold fast to the word. And he told a story that was really striking. There's a guy named Henry Dempsey. And he was a co-pilot. And the pilot of this plane, they were flying an empty plane uh, over on the East Coast back. And the co-pilot calls the tower and he says, there's a, there's a cabin open light exposed and the pilot's gone. We need a helicopter to search. He's fallen out of the plane. And so they turn around and they do an emergency. The other pilot turns around, does an emergency landing, and they're out trying to find the pilot, the co-pilot. And when they land, they find Henry Dempsey upside down, hanging on to the steps uh, of the door. He had hit the door and the door, there was turbulence, he hit the door, he fell out, and he grabbed on to the railing of the door. And he was upside down, his face was a few inches, he said 12 inches from the runway when they landed at 200 miles an hour. And it said it took several minutes for them to pry his hands, pry his fingers off the railing on that door of the plane. I mean, that is the way we're supposed to hold fast to the Word of God because our soul does depend on it, right? If I don't hold fast to Jesus, if I give up on Jesus, what do I have left? Just me. And I'm not going to get to heaven on my own. I'm not going to get to heaven on my own merit. I've got to hold fast to Jesus and His blood because I'm not going to get there. I don't have anywhere else to go. If I let go, I'm hitting the runway. What else? Endure. That's what Charles talked about. That's what Mason talked about. Won't rehash all that, but for those of you that weren't here, Mason told a great story about Florence Chadwick who was trying to swim from Catalina Island to California. She had swim for she had swam for 15 hours and then in the last half mile she begged to be pulled out of the water. Only a half mile from the end. She didn't endure. And this is a quote Mason read to us last week. All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. We don't want to be like that. I know a guy that was a professing Christian, had a family, and it was like, in, I was shocked by how much the family loved one another. And then next thing I know, this guy had left his wife. And then six months later, he died. So it's like 30 years of marriage, and in the last six months, you give up on following the Lord. I mean, that close to the end. It showed it wasn't real. It was very sad. We don't want to be like that. We don't know. We don't know. Like Florence Chadwick, we don't know. Today might be our last day, or tomorrow, or the next week. But we want to endure 
We want to hold fast to Jesus, to his word. We don't want to let it go. We don't want to let the cares of life choke it out. I'll give you another story. That one is more endurance. Did you notice that the two soils that believed and then fell away, one was almost difficulty and one was ease, right? Testing. It's like this difficult persecution comes. The other is, yeah, everything's going well and it's the pleasures of life. You see, the problem is we don't often think of endurance and pleasures. But I'll tell you a story. In the 1936 Olympics, they took a boat over to Berlin where the Olympics were. So all the Americans were on this basically cruise ship. They didn't fly. And they had all they could eat. And guess what? Bunch of wrestlers ate themselves out of their weight class. And they couldn't participate. Uh, Some of the runners, one of the runners gained 13 pounds, long distance runner, in one week. I mean, think about it. Which is more hard to endure? All the training and trial that goes into making the Olympics and wrestling or not eating too much on the boat over for one week? Well, for those guys, it was actually not eating the eating too much on the boat over for one week. That's what cost them the endurance. Not all the training, not wrestling all those guys to get there. And I don't want to be like that either. Maybe you've faced trials, difficult trials, and then what? Maybe things are going better now. Don't fall away now. Endure. The result of how you hear can lead to hearing or not hearing more. I think I'm out of time here. I'm not going to read you all these verses, but I'm just going to summarize this. You remember all the times where Jesus... Jesus says, you'll seek me and you will not find me. You remember that? And they're confused. Why is that? It's because they wouldn't listen the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time. And it got to a point where Jesus says, you're not going to be hearing anymore. And he gets to that point, right? He doesn't even answer them. And they're, they're giving this trial and they're slapping him and all that. What does he say? Nothing. He got to the place where he knew, I've said so many things to them, they didn't listen to any of it. I'm not going to say any more. And that happens to people in real life. Like Charles has said before, the, the road to hell, the lights go out on the road to hell. You start out, you see where you're headed, and then before long you don't even realize where you're at. You don't even realize you're on your way to hell because you don't hear any more from God. That's, that's something to be warned about. Take care how you hear. How you hear when you read your Bible. How you hear when somebody comes and counsels you and pleads with you. Hey, this is an area of need in your life. Do you listen? Or do you let it go to the side? It's very scary. Because one day, nobody might be knocking. Nobody might be pleading. Nobody might be saying, you're lost. And you might, you might just stop hearing. Think about this. Dick, this is his last week. This is, this is encouraging. Is it? If I brought the smallest kid up here today, in here, and they had a seed and they planted it, and I brought the biggest guy, the strongest guy up here, and he planted it, which, one, which one's more effective? Doesn't matter. The seed has the life. Not the person. Right? So... 
So think about all the seed that's been scattered on our lives from Dick's ministry. Think about it. We're going to be accountable. We are going to be accountable. God's going to say, you didn't listen. Or you did listen, and so I gave you more. Or you didn't listen, so I stopped speaking. It's encouragement to you if you're trying to scatter seed. Just scatter the seed. Sow the word of God. Some of it's going to fall on good soil. But be warned, some of it isn't. Some of it's going to look like it's good soil, and then it's going to disappoint. Where are you? Well, may the Lord help us to not fall away, to be warned, to see what's going what's going on.